Hi everybody, this is Greg, and here's what you can find in the Popping Collars feed while pretending to listen to your uncle at Thanksgiving dinner in November 2021. Have you ever heard of a movie, show, or song that everyone else seems to love, but you just don't get it? Well, that's what we're talking about on this month's Popping Collars, our personal pop culture disappointments. Hear us throw some verbal stone tablets at some of Hollywood's biggest golden calves. It's a new month, and we've got a new episode of The Canon, starring some of our Popping Collars all-stars. This month, we divide up the works of Meryl Streep. Betsy and I have made it to the end of our 1990 movies on Going on 30. We're wrapping things up with one of the foundational teen angst movies, Pump Up the Volume, starring Christian Slater. Stephen McHale is back on The Sacred Six. This month, he and I discuss the biggest Beatles album of all time, The White Album. How can we possibly choose a favorite song? Tune in and find out. Finally, Liz and Ricardo are back for one last episode of the PC Book Club for 2021. Hear them choose their favorite end-of-the-year reads. Put your feet up, turn the football game on mute, grab one last slice of pumpkin pie, and keep those collars popped. to see the pyramids and such. Uh-huh. I sort of feel like we should do like a bonus episode once the um, top 10 comes out. Yeah, well, we'll have to talk to uh, the boss man. About our producer, that. our executive producer. <laughs> our CEO. Yeah, Patrick <laughs> Collars, Inc. <laughs> That's right. everyone and welcome to the Popping Collars Satellite Podcast, Popping Collars Book Club, otherwise known as PC Book Club. My name is Ricardo Avila. I am the rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, and with me is my book clubber co-host, Liz Easton. Liz, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Ricardo. I'm good. I just realized that um, I didn't bring my fancy microphone. Uh-oh. I hope we can hear you. <laughs> I hope so, too. Anyway, I'm good. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So um, it's near the end of the year now. And um, as you may have guessed, our pattern is that we have a PC book club every fifth Monday of a month. And November happens to be your lucky month because this will drop on November 29th. However, that is just one day shy of the November 30th announcement from the New York Times of their top 10 books of the year, which they put out every year. The most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite. It's like it's like your Christmas shopping list all in one email. Um, so they they pick five fiction and five nonfiction at this point in their process. And so I thought it might be fun to go back to last year's list, which we featured at a previous episode, and see how we did in terms of what we read from it. Um, I try to use it as a guideline, but, uh, you know, other things happen. So last year's list, the 10 best books of 2020, the five fiction books. Let's see how we did. A Children's Bible by Lydia Millett. Did you read it? Nope. Uh, These are for me are all audiobooks. I did listen to it. Uh, It's short. It's weird. Uh, It's good. It, you know, the cover of the book makes it look like a children's fable. Well, no, it's a bit of an apocalyptic (laughs) situation uh, with children who are basically left to their own devices and uh, survive uh, a bit of an apocalyptic 
apocalyptic type storm. Um, so I liked it. It was a little cynical and sarcastic, which, but verging on the nasty for me. So, you know, I guess I wouldn't reread it, but it's a good read and it's short. A Children's Bible by Lydia Millet, Deacon King Kong by James McBride. No? Nope. Ah, I guess I've been doing pretty good. I, I mean, you're just showing off. You picked this um, this part of the podcast just so you could show off. Liz, if you've got another top ten from no. Times <laughs> Magazine, I don't know. No, nope, uh, yeah, maybe I am showing off. But um, Deacon King Kong by James McBride, I did listen to on audiobook. I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. You sort of get immersed in this neighborhood and in all the characters in it. It's a little broad brushstrokey in terms of the characterizations. There's not a lot of super nuance, uh, but it's a good narrative story. And it's fun to visualize all the different characters in the neighborhood. It's uh, It was good. I do recommend it. It's, it's fun. Uh, and then the third pick they chose last year in fiction is Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. No, it's on my to be read pile as we speak. And everyone I know who's read it has said that it is stunning. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, I bought the audiobook from Audible and started listening to it, but I think it requires reading the book mm-hmm. because it, it's good, but it's it's pretty, it's beautifully written. And it's the sort of thing where you recognize that and don't want to just hear a story from it. So I often feel that way about literary fiction. Like I can read genre fiction. I can listen to a lot of genre fiction, but real good literary fiction I need to read. Exactly. Exactly. Homeland Elegies by Ayad Akhtar. Nope. Yeah. Again, I, I checked it out of the library to listen to, and it was too dense. It was too kind of, again, you knew it was beautifully written. So I bought the book and I have it here at home, uh, but I haven't read it yet. I did read a play of his uh, that won some award. It was because he, he's a playwright as well. Um, but that does that's not this book. Homeland Elegies. The Vanishing Half. Read it, loved it. And recommended it on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite books of the year, really over the last couple of years. And I keep, um, I I think it was my first read of 2020. And I still will just find myself thinking about it, like in passing, like I'll have a passing thought about the characters or some aspect of that story. So it really um, is impactful. I loved it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember listening to it uh, when I was on a road trip to Southern California in November of 2020, a year ago. And I can picture having it on in a particular hotel where I stayed in Santa Barbara. So whenever I think of it, I'm kind of in that space. Uh, Now that you say that, I read it last year. My first read of 2021 was her other book, um, The Mothers, which is fantastic. Um, Yeah, that's right. So I thoroughly recommend Britt Bennett. She's a wonderful storyteller. Nice. Was The Mothers a previous book to this one? Yes, I think it was. It was maybe her debut novel, but it was earlier than this one. Okay, terrific. Terrific. Um, And then the five nonfiction books, which, you know, you and me, we're not as much nonfiction people. Not as much, no. However, Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of an American Family by Robert Coker, which uh, I did listen to, and it was really good. It's about that family in gosh, Colorado, who have like 11 kids and seven of them have schizophrenia or some sort of mental illness. All of the things that ensue and the tragedy that results. I think Greg and Betsy discussed that book when they did the popping, the book club takeover. 
That's right. They did. And I believe they liked it as well. It was good. It was good. Recommended. And that you can listen to as an audiobook. A Promised Land by Barack Obama, uh, Liz. I read it. It's long. <laughs> Real long. Did you like it? It threw, it threw off my reading stats last year because I read it at the end of the year. And it was much longer than I thought it was. I did like it a lot. And also, I think about it, about it a lot, too. It It opened up the complexities of the role of president in a way that um, was humbling. It sort of took it out of the West Wing fairy tale and into a very realistic place. And I don't know that if I'll, if I'll read the second volume, but I really enjoyed the first one. And he is a terrific writer. I listened to the Michelle Obama autobiography read by her. And it, it, there really is something nice about having the person themselves read yeah. Um, you get a sense of her character. And I mean, I just liked her even more. Shakespeare in a Divided America by James Shapiro. Nope. Have not read it. Um, William's, he, William, my husband, his principal, uh, loaned him a copy and said he should read it, but I don't think he got to it. Uh, what his plays tell us about our past and future, Shakespeare in a Divided America by James Shapiro. And then uh, Uncanny Valley by Anna Wiener. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did listen to that as well. It's about her working in Silicon Valley and all the ridiculous stuff in a culture where everybody agrees that doing things a certain way is good or fine. It's just, it really is sort of nerds gone wild. Yeah. Um, it was really entertaining and really interesting. And I, I liked her and um, was a little creeped out at how much power in that culture some people are given kind of when you take them out of that milieu, they seem kind of ridiculous. Um, but that was good. And finally, War by Margaret Macmillan, which I'd never heard of, How Conflict Shaped Us. Um, she's written other books. Uh, I found this book at like a, a library bookstore thing for like a dollar. So I own it, <laughs> but I haven't read it yet. So that's how we did. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we weren't following that too closely. We're just, I think, excited to see what next year's or what this year's yeah. list is. So, Liz, you were talking about uh, your um, how many books you've read what, what, in, in this year. What, what, how are you doing with that? So my goal for this year was to read 50. Here we are in late November, and I've read 33 books. So I'm 11 books behind schedule. I still feel really good about 33. Like for me, that's still a good number. I think any reading is good reading. Um, So I don't worry about it too much. I think um, this year I really didn't have a plan. I think you may remember two years ago, I did the read harder challenge from book riot. And I might do that again. It really encouraged me to like diversify my reading. It was very fun. Last year, because of the pandemic, I more just focused on the number and I was really reading a lot in 2020. And then this year, it just sort of slowed down and I read some longer books, which is really fun for me. I love a really long read. But then, of course, that decreases the number of volumes you get to. And I listened to more audiobooks this year, which was fun. I sort of incorporated that into my exercise routine. So I'm happy with what I've done. I still hope to get closer to 50 by the end of the year. So wait, your goal is 50 and you've read 33? Yeah. So you have 17 more to go. I know, but I'm 11 behind pace. So like they, like on Goodreads, they pace it out for you. So yeah, I have 14 more to go. I won't get there. There's no way. But um, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. So it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. Um, I I surprised myself and I I read forty five uh, this year. Now I think we decided that audiobook is valid. Absolutely. Of, yeah. Right. right? Um, I find it so much easier because I have a forty five minute commute each way to the church where I am. And I also just have it on when I'm doing chores and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can generally listen to it at like 1.25 speed. Mm-hmm. And so it just is so much easier to get through a book. And um, one of the things I did this year was I read all of the Eric Larson books. He's the guy who wrote The Devil in the White City and uh, Dead Wake about the sinking of the Lusitania. You know, he's a fun writer. He's got a formula. Uh, he has you know, a way of doing it, you definitely see a pattern, but you get sucked in. And so Eric Larson, I'd recommend him, even the latest one called No One Goes Alone, which is fiction, not nonfiction like he usually does. Um, and it's audiobook only. Ooh. Yeah, that's what he decided to do with that one. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's kind of, oh, and now I'm reading all of the Elizabeth Strout books. Oh, really? Yes, she wrote Olive Kittredge. That's her kind of most famous work, won the Pulitzer Prize. She has eight novels, and I am almost finished with the fourth one in chronological order. Um, Her latest one just came out, and it has a very, uh, I love the title of it. I've got it from the library because it's called Oh, William, (laughs) 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 which I say every day for someone. but Elizabeth Strauss, she's a great writer. That's our recap of things and our sense. Do you have a favorite yet from the last year? Like, can you say what your favorite thing you read in 2021 was? If I had to pick one right now, I'd probably pick War and Peace. Wow. Because lo and behold, I read War and Peace early in yeah. the year. I did it with a 10-week class online. And it was it was great. I mean, I don't think I'll read it again, maybe. Yeah. Um, unlike some Dostoevsky I've read, which I would love to reread, uh, but it was definitely worth reading. And in fact, that same professor, Glutton for Punishment, in January, she's teaching Anna Karenina, the other oh, novel. Yeah. And we're, we're going to do it. William and I are going to do it. So it's eight weeks. Cool. Yeah. What about you? What was your favorite read? Well, my so far, my favorite read is one that I recommended on our last episode, which is called Legends of the North Cascades. That so far is my only five star read of the year, I think. And then I'm reading a great book right now, which I'm I'm not even halfway through it. So I will not say that it is like my favorite book of the year. I have no idea, but I'm enjoying it a lot so far. It's a debut novel called Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. And it's about a logging community in Oregon, right around the time when the ecological laws and rules around logging were really changing for the better, for the benefit of our world. And it was um, sort of forcing a major transition on these communities that um, their culture and lifestyle and everything was sort of wrapped up in that industry. And um, so far, it's really domestic. I mean, it's about a family, and but the characters are just beautifully drawn, and they're sympathetic, but also being complex. And um, you can tell that these bigger issues, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and issues about logging were significant in my childhood. Wow. How did you even hear about it? Book of the Month Club. I, can, I just looked at um, the New York Times 100 best books of the year which is, of course, too many books for us to go through on this podcast. (laughs) 
And a lot of the books I have waiting on my to be read pile from book of the month are on that list. So that's exciting. Yeah. So it's really good. Nice. And so because the damnation spring, I've never even heard of. So they must do some sort of research or have some sort of niche they fill. Oh, I'm sure there's a whole industry aspect about getting your authors, you know, if you're a publishing company, getting your authors in there. They do tend to feature debut novelists. Not Mm -hmm. always. You get there. You have five choices a month. And then if you don't like any of them, you can just hold on to the credit and then next time get two books or whatever. Often a lot of the books that I've read through there were debuts. Uh, you mentioned the 100 notable books list from the New York Times. I have an old college friend on the list. Really? Who? Very exciting. Her name is Lauren Fox. Uh, Lauren Fox wrote the book that's on the list is called Abide With Me. And I haven't read it, uh, but I have some of her other books and autographed because uh, she lives in Milwaukee. And when I go back to see my family, I, I've seen her like once or twice. Um, but it's called Abide With Me. And Apparently, she found some old letters of her grandmother's. She's Jewish, and her grandmother, I think, was in Europe, and it was World War II, and it was the Holocaust, and all this stuff. And from these letters, she spun a story that's ostensibly fiction, but is kind of based in in the content of the letters. Wow. Um, she was on. She was on like a TV show. Does George George W. Bush have like a daughter who does a book show? Jenna Bush, I think Jenna Jenna. Bush Baker does um, book selections for like the Today Show or Good Morning America. Exactly. Jenna and Hoda or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Lauren was on the Jenna and Hoda show and uh, she got to talk about this book. And I think they liked her so much that she went back on to do something else to do a book review, actually. So I don't know, two degrees of separation. Yeah, that's cool. It would be so amazing. I, I don't know if it'll happen, but if she if her book was one of the five fiction books, whoo, she'd be. Yeah, famous. that'd be very cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, we've really gone on for quite a while here and I feel like I haven't really recommended a book and I do have one to recommend. So I'll just do this hopefully quickly. Yeah. Uh, this is a book that our book club read at St. Luke's and it was recommended by a parishioner and we all voted on it. We do this democratically now. And, you know, it's really good and everybody liked it. It's called The Sisters of Sinai, How Two Lady Adventurers Discovered the Hidden Gospels. And it's by a woman named Janet Soskis. And it's based on a true story. Uh, it was published in, I think, 2009. And um, no one's ever heard of it. Right? I've never heard of it. Well, it's oh. a true story. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. <laughs> I'm going to cheat a little and read a book review written by the person we've been mentioning here and there in this podcast episode, William, but he gave a little book review called The Thrill of the Hunt, Janet Soskis, The Sisters of Sinai. Two plucky Scottish Presbyterian twin sisters, Agnes and Margaret Nay Smith, independently wealthy and intellectually independent, make the arduous trek on camels in their thick woolen skirts and with China dinner service through the Sinai Desert to the Monastery of St. Catharines. There, in 1892, they discover a critical palimpsest of the Gospels, palimpsest being a text that's hidden underneath another text. Having mastered several ancient languages and modern, they are qualified for this adventure to establish the true text of the Gospels, but they face opposition in their quest from faith communities, from the professional academics, from the male-dominated world. Yet they brave it all, such being their drive for the truth. 
It is a gripping story of biblical criticism, of culture clashes, of the male-female dynamic. Soskis's prose pulls one into the dust of the desert and the intricacies of textual analysis, and, of course, the eccentricities of these inseparable, indomitable sisters. I love it. And I love William. That is such a great, that is such a William book review. I love it. Oh, yeah. It couldn't be written by anyone else. I couldn't have passed that off as my own. (laughs) But, you know, we all loved the book. Um, I won't, I'll spare you the quote that we had, that I had from the book, but they do talk about, you know, how people were starting to have doubts in the 19th century because of Darwinism and archaeological finds and, oh, we're we're more than 6,000 years old. And what does that mean for our faith and God? And um, this book does delve into that somewhat, um, but it's through the factual story of their lives and what they discovered, these early, early versions of the gospel that kind of put the lie to those people who were saying, oh, the gospels, this stuff was written like 400 years after, you know, but they were able to find these texts that could reliably be traced to the end of this, to the second century, which is pretty darn early. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. I didn't know anything about that story. Yeah. It's a good book. I recommend it. The Sisters of Sinai by Janet Soskis, S-O-S-K-I-C-E. Great. Thank you. That would make a good Christmas gift for the right person. It certainly would. And, you know, you don't have to even love biblical criticism stuff to enjoy the because she really goes into the culture of the time and what it was like to have the still colonizers, you know, the British and the French going into Egypt and, you know, the interactions with the people who live there and how they kind of have this mutual um, kind of make money off of each other travel and people are starting to go down and take vacation trips to see the pyramids and such. Uh So I think that's it. Hope you all have a wonderful Christmas and um, that you buy and receive books because books are a joy. Hey, can I make a little plug while we, while we speak of this? I just discovered this today. So a parishioner in one of our churches is a librarian at a prison in Omaha. And they're really short on librarians and their resources for libraries are really low. And um, she was on the news just talking about that. And with, with some other formerly incarcerated people talking about the value of libraries while they're incarcerated. So anyway, um, the penitentiary in Omaha has a, or in Nebraska has a wish list through an independent bookstore where you can buy books for the incarcerated population. And they just send them right there, brand new books. And it just made me think that I bet a lot of places have that. And um, it was kind of such a fun way to Christmas shop to look through at the types of books that they're filling their library with and what is interesting to people, what they want, and then just be able to fill up a a box and send them. So I encourage people to do that because the gift of reading, um, we all know that reading is uh, a source of escapism and freedom Mm -hmm. and um, knowledge and is such a gift to an incarcerated person. So maybe check out in your community if you have something similar um, and add that to your Christmas shopping list. That's awesome. Thank you, Liz. It's such an obvious idea that I never would have thought of. So if you don't find something locally that does something like that and you want to help, maybe you can drop us a line at poppingcollarspodcast.com and uh, Liz could maybe get you in touch with uh, the link to the site that's local in Nebraska for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd love to. 
thank you all so much. It's been great spending 2021 with you virtually and reading books together. Thank you, Liz, for always being a great chat companion. Thank you, Ricardo. Yeah, absolutely. And so we will see you or you will hear us next time. And in the meantime, keep those collars popped. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yay, we did it. I am giving you.